good evening, good evening, Baltimore. Hezekiah L. Montgomery here, host of Man in the Mirror, and tonight is the night. We have an awesome man of God that's going to be on here tonight, Mr. Nathaniel Fields. And um, the show won't be able to make it tonight, but, you know, the show must go on, you know, We'll keep her in our prayer. She has some things she had to take care of, but she's she may chime in when she get a chance. But it is just Hezekiah Montgomery night, Kai, or whoever you want to call me, but don't call me late for dinner. But tonight we have Nathaniel Fields' interview, a man that's on fire for God. He will be um, chiming in. He's a little tied up right now, but that happens. You know, they say the show still must go on. I'm in, I'm in communication with him, and he will be in. But this man is a man I met a few weeks ago, and I was excited about, you know, what he was doing. As we mentioned um, last week on um, the show that, I, you know, we found out about love, but this man has a love for God, a love for God's people, and he has a love for the homeless. So I'm truly excited about having him come in on the show this evening. But as always, before we get started, let's um, open up in prayer. Dear Christian Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for um, lying down last night, Lord, for waking us up to this morning that we've never seen before, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just loving enough to die on a cross for our sins, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this Valentine's season, Lord. Even though people truly don't know what true love is, or true love is when you died on a cross for our sins, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done and are going to do in our life right now. Continue to bless those who have love, bless those who don't have anyone to love, Lord. Help. We pray that one day that they know that you are the true and living God and that you love them, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our guest who's about to come on this evening, Mr. Nathaniel Phillips. He has a man that's on fire for God. He's a man that just, you know, he spreads his love by helping others, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for continuing to bless him, bless his family, bless all those who he come in contact with um, for the Baltimore Partnership downtown. We will give you another show to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And as we're just, you know, still continuing to wait, on this young man to join us on um, the show tonight. I'm just going to tell you about him. When I, before I read about him, I'm going to tell you about him. Um, I had the you know, honor of meeting him while um, I was helping the show out with uh, um, Baltimore Pit, which is Point in Time um, Survey of Counting the Homeless in Baltimore City. And when I met this young man, he was on our team. And uh, he wasn't in the first night, but he was there the second night. And when he, when I sat and talked to him at the end of the second and final night, this man has a story. And I really, I was going to try to get on earlier and tell you a little bit more about his story. But this man has a story. When I say he has a story, I mean, you know, he has the heart of Christ. When you talk to a person like they have the heart of Christ because he's out there, and, you know, people talk about the homeless. People say, you know, and, you know, people say, hey, I want to help them, you know, but he's out there not just saying it. He's on a mission out there to help them. 
He's out on a mission to help all those who are lost. He's out on a mission to tell them about the word of God. He's out there to put the fear of the word of God in there. He's out there to feed them if they're hungry. He, I mean, he's very selfless. And I can just read you a little bit about him, and then I'm going to actually get into a scripture because the one scripture that always comes to mind is um, what we talked about a couple weeks ago when I did the show, you know, similar to this about, you know, when it's called the separation of the sheep and the goats. And the Thanking Fields is a homeless outreach worker from downtown partnership of Baltimore City, Maryland. He has been doing services for 10 years. He mentored multiple youth throughout the Baltimore City, PG, and D.C. He turned around 90 ex-drug dealers who found God after experiencing some harsh reality that was much needed. He now serves God as best he knows how as a case manager for the homeless population. I told you we're going to do something different this week. And I've actually called him, you know, said that he is doing a Paul thing. And um, that Paul thing is, if we know Paul, Paul was actually out there murdering the, you know, the people of God. He was actually, you know, murdering those, they called them back then, the believers, those who believed in Christ, the story of Christ. So Paul was going around, I'm sorry, his name was Saul then. Saul was going around, I want to be, you know, religiously or politically correct. Saul was going around killing the people or the those that believed in Christ. He didn't care about them. But then his conversion was on his on the road of the, to Damascus when he was going out looking for others that he was going to take care of. And on that road, he had his conversion because Christ met him there, knocked him off his high horse, literally knocked him off his high horse. And, you know, he said, you know, who am I, Lord? And that's when, you know, well, he said, you know, what is it, Lord? And I'm going to actually make sure I say it, be politically correct, because as my pastor say, make sure that it's scriptural. So we want to make sure that it's scriptural, you know, about that so people will know. It's called Saul's Conversion, and the new is in um, Acts chapter 9. And it says, meanwhile, Saul was still starting out with verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went in the high priest. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belongs to the way, they call it the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, the road of Damascus, his journey suddenly on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And this is quite funny to me. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't converted. But in verse 5, he says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told 
what you must do. Now, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So he, so they led him to by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So he was fasting. So let's pay attention. For three days he did not, he couldn't see. He did not do anything. But he, he was fast in his own way. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tyrus named Saul, for he is praying, for he is praying. Now, Saul wasn't a man of God, but now he, all of a sudden he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. The Lord answered, the Lord answered, and Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all and the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief, chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. The Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name of the Gentiles and the king to the people. I'm sorry, to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house house and entered it, placing his hand on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after eating some food, he regained his strength. So again, you know, Saul was on the road killing people. But we have a man that we're about to talk to soon that is actually, you know, you know, those people that are out there, those people that are homeless in the streets of Baltimore, and I was actually humbled that night that we went out. I was truly humbled, again, that the Lord, you know, let me go out and really see what was really going out there. So, you know, many times we can let let's, for the grace of God there go out because many of us are having issues, financial issues and stuff. That could be us out on the street. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, that we would be out there. And, again, that was truly a humbling um, experience. And, you know, and then, but when I really met this young man, I'm like, wow, he had a story. You know, because, you know, talking, this is a young man actually has talked, you know, to preachers, to ministers, has, you know, has gone, you know, has, you know, been in the church and chose to, chose a different route to really go out and help the people. You know, he doesn't need a college, as my pastor would say. He will go out there and actually do 
the will of God, and he would feed the sheep. He would actually feed the sheep. Uh, give me one moment. You know, he's actually feeding the sheep of God, and he's really doing um, the will of God. One moment. Let me check um, to see if he actually got a chance to call in. One moment. Uh, give us. We'll be right back. Um, We'll be right back just checking on our our guest for this evening. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can come on let him know I give myself away I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away What happened if a generation embraced this? Come on, tell me. Here I am. Here I am.
You're listening live with Hezekiah uh, Montgomery and Michelle Johnson, who's on break tonight, um, as we are on Man in the Mirror with Nathaniel Fields' interview. Um, we got him back on the line. This man is on fire for God. And I love that song that we just played, I Give Myself Away, because it takes a self- selfless person to do what this man is doing. So, Without further ado, since I gave him that great introduction, we're going to bring on, um, I'll call him Dr. Nathaniel Fields. As you know, um, this man, he's out there helping the homeless, helping, you know, working with the gangsters, gang, gang, gang blasters and gangbangers. You know I me, mean, I don't know these words. But as I said, you know, we're going to, as I said earlier, we're going to find out he's doing his Paul thing. Preach the word boldly and meet all men where they are, homeless, drug dealers, gangbangers. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. And this is the key thing. People forget this at the end of that. With great patience and careful instruction. So without further ado, I would like to bring on our brother Nathaniel Fields to Man and Mirror, and he's going to tell us his story. Absolutely. I thank you, Brother Hesgar. Uh It's just a blessing, first and foremost, for you inviting me onto the show, um, you know, doing my ripping and running um, day in and day out. I'm trying to uh, give back to um, God the way he has given to me in such a, uh, you know, short period. And I thank him for allowing me to go through what I went through to become the man that I am today. Uh, the story starts in uh, Baltimore. Um, I'm trying to keep it brief, but in Baltimore, I had some issues at 12, 13 years old, um, growing up in a household full of drug dealers, uh, uh, prostitution, alcohol, gambling. And in that environment, um, I normalized what those uh, addictions and those things were. Um, I made them a part of my day-to-day lifestyle. And my mother at the time, uh, was unhappy with the way that I was living and was trying to do some things to, you know, better my life. Um, in that, she sent me to New York to be with uh, some relatives, actually my aunt. Um, and in doing that, uh, this terminal period, uh, something big happened in the drug world. Uh, crack cocaine was introduced into um, downtown Manhattan. And I, at the time, uh, was introduced to crack cocaine by some friends. Um, I started selling crack cocaine um, around 13 or 14 years old and uh, became very popular in the neighborhood. I was one of those guys who um, a lot of people talked about in some stories and um, some people have whispered about in the streets. And, um, you know, it it became a part of my lifestyle. And um, things got really heavy when um, around 14 or 15 years old, um, I had a child, her name is Desire, and she was um, conceived, and um, it, it really made me look at things differently, yet and still, I wasn't ready to step away from the life of selling crack cocaine. Uh, the thing that happened to me that was a life-changing event on top of me meeting my pastor was I went to Vegas to um, meet a new connect. Um, a friend of a friend told me that there's some stuff down there that I need to get my hands on. This guy's a consistent connect. Let's take a flight down to Vegas. I was like, fine, let's do it. I uh, went down to Vegas, and these guys that I call friends 
uh, told me that we're going to meet the connect and we're going to drive out there right now. It was about eight, nine o'clock at night. So it was fairly darker in the evening and in the desert, you really can't see much. So they put me in this car. It's my first time in Vegas. And we start headed towards the, you know, the dirt, the dirted roads. And, um, you know, me, I'm young, I'm drunk at this time. I'm not paying any attention. And I look up and I'm like, Hey, where are we going? At? And they're wow. like, well, we here. And I'm like, what is here? And the guy gets out of the car, comes around to my side of the car, opens the door, and begins to hit me in the face. Um, the other one pulled me out of the vehicle and started hitting me with a bat. And um, it went on for about 30 minutes. It went on for about 30 minutes, and um, I was um, severely injured, and um, I, I was hit and beat unconscious. When I came to, I noticed that my clothes had been taken from me. Um, I had nothing on but my undergarments and some socks, and um, my face was so badly bruised and beaten that I could barely see. I only had one eye to see out of, and um, in the distance, I could see a little flash of light going down the road every few minutes. So in my mind, I'm thinking that if I can make it to the flashing light, then I can get home and get some help, and um, I started to walk towards the flashes of light to notice that they were vehicles. Um, I got to the road, was trying to wave people down, but, you know, you can only imagine what it looks like when somebody's face is bloody and beaten and they have on white undergarments and um, and it's cold outside because in the desert at nighttime is um, what they call dry humidity. So it was probably about 50 or right. um, 55 degrees outside. And um, so it's freezing cold, so why is this person with his beaten face on the side of the road trying to wave cars down? Nobody would stop for me until a truck driver pulled up and asked me if I needed a ride. I begged him to take me to my hotel room. He did so. We got back to my hotel room, and I gave them um, what I had as, as far as pocket cash was concerned and just asked him, you know, to kind of forget what he just saw. Um, I made it back home to uh, New York at the time, and uh, I really started thinking things over and said, you know, I really don't want this to be my life. Um, I have a, a little girl who looks to me and call me daddy, and I, I can't live this, um, you know. So uh, I felt that it was time for me to go and find my, my, my biological parents and live with them. Um, I called my mom several times. She wouldn't answer. I called my dad several times. He wouldn't answer. So, you know, um, I felt that if I go to find my biological parents, that they'll help me. Uh, meantime, I'm still dating this girl who I had this child by who is, everything wrong in my life at this point in time because she was very influential in trying to make me stay in the street life, but I didn't want to do it anymore. And when I told her that I wasn't going to sell drugs anymore, she gave, became upset with me and left me with our daughter. In doing so, I let her know that I'm leaving and going to Baltimore, and she didn't have a problem with allowing me to take our daughter to Baltimore with me as long as, you know, I was going to take care of her. Um, didn't fight, didn't do anything. She just let us go. Um, I took what I had, um, clothes, my baby, and a couple of dollars in my pocket, and I drove to Baltimore, not knowing where to start this look at, but just knowing that if I get here that I could possibly find my parents. Um, I ran into some family members, and they pointed me in the direction of my mother's home, but I still didn't have contact with my father. Um, my mother wouldn't have anything to do with me. She saw how my face was uh, beaten and um, how I had some injuries to my arm, and she uh, felt as though I still didn't leave the life, which I didn't at this point in time. Uh, and I just begged her multiple times to give me a chance to come in and show her that I could change, and she said no. 
And um, the only person that I know that she would listen to was the aunt that I live with in New York. So I called my aunt and I said, I- I'm trying to get back with my mom. Can you help me? And she um, let me know that she was going to try everything she could to reach out to my mother. And she did. Me and my mother um, had a sit-down conversation, and she told me that I could no longer sell or use drugs. I had to go to school, and I had to get a job to take care and support my child. And um, by that time, I think it was about three or four months, um, I, I had already done those things because I've been in the shelter. Um, that is now They now call it the Weinberg Shelter, but I've been in the shelter for about three or four months at that time, and I had already started that process. So I was like, Mom, that's not a problem. I'm already doing those things. And she said to me also, you got to stop using and selling drugs. And then I was still on a fence about that because I had this this thing about me, this draw. I, I, I call it my addiction, this pull that wouldn't allow me to leave the street life alone. I would leave it alone for a couple of weeks, and then I would go back to it, and I would leave it going again. And anytime money would get funny, I would run back to the streets again. And um, that was my addiction. I just had to have money. And uh, the thing that was a turning point was uh, I was standing outside. I'll never forget this. I was dribbling my basketball, and uh, I had my shirt off. I just got finished smoking some marijuana, and my uh, now pastor, godfather, um, he comes driving up in this really nice infinity. And he's uh, he walks up to me, and this guy literally looks me in my face and starts telling me everything that I have gone through for the last 10 years and asked me one thing, was I tired of running? And I started crying because what, what nobody knew, and I, I knew this had to only be God, that I was tired of running. I was tired of fighting. I was tired of hiding. I was tired of going through all of the stuff that I was going through at that point in time in my life. And he said it word for word, everything that I had in my mind, everything that was on my heart. And that turn, that turning point at that moment was what I needed to get back to God, what I needed to come back home and really be the man that God called me to be. Since that point in time, God has done some amazing things in my life. I graduated from high school, first man in my family to do so. I went to college on a, a scholarship playing basketball, first person in my family to do so, graduated from college first male in my family to do so, went overseas to Belgium, York, played professional basketball, first person in my family to do so, setting milestones every single day since the time that I left from college. And it led me into uh, working for a company called PSI Family Services. When I was working for this company, I was dealing with what we call dual diagnosis. I was a drug rehab counselor helping people to get over their addictions, Now, which is funny because I was the same person who was given drugs to help people cope with their addictions at one point in time, with their with their issues and their situations. I was that guy. So now here I am. This is God telling me that as purpose on my life, the same things I used to give to people, I'm telling people how to get off of. And then um, came this no- another turning point. Then he took me into the foster care system. I said, I said, God, are you for real? And he's like, I need you. Because who could tell somebody about the foster care system but somebody who's been in foster care? how to do this correctly, how to treat the children who I, I, I love, because I love all of my children, not just the ones who have homes and moms and dads, but the ones who don't too. I care for them just as much. And um, you have a heart. And I said, me? And he said, yeah, you. I said, well, God, you know all the stuff I did. He said, I know David too, and I loved him. <laughs> so if I can love David, I can love you too. 
said, okay, God, well, I'll listen. And I was able to do amazing things with gang violence, drugs and addiction, reconnecting children to their families, getting young ladies who have been molested off the street corners. I even picked up young ladies after they finished prostituting at nighttime, and I wasn't the person who beat on them. I wasn't the person who turned the, you know, turned my back to them. I was the person who said, God still loves you, and he's waiting for you. I still love you. I care for you, and I want you to get better. Then God opened up another door for me where I currently am at this beautiful institution we call Downtown Partnership where they didn't even know how to do outreach where they didn't have an idea of where to start from, God brought me there, and he said, now I need you to work with this population. I said, God, what do I know about this? He said, you've been without home. You've been without shelter. You've been without care. You know how to survive on the streets. And that was your turn to give back to them what you have been given. And I said, what can I give them, God? He said, your heart. Your heart. Because people have forgotten about them. They've forgotten about how to love and how to accept. Now it's time for you to walk these streets. And that's a snippet of my story. And um, what I'm doing now is just what God has put on my heart. And I just thank God for allowing me to get to this place with and meet people like Brother Hezekiah here who has uh, invited me onto this wonderful show. Wow, that's a story. That's a story. I mean, I'm trying to keep up with the notes. You went from, you know, you know, how you know just a, a, re, uh, a recap you know you want to give back to God because he's giving back to you and you basically yeah. grew up in a hostile environment and yeah. many times when we grow up in a hostile environment of drugs and prostitution that kind of shapes and those seeds are planted in our minds and that's kind of a hard thing to really run, and that goes for anybody. You have to be real strong to grow up in an environment like that and not really have those seeds that are planted and for them to germinate and to take root. And um, and that started shaping. So you went to New York, and this is an mm-hmm. interesting fact that, you know, um, you got caught up in crack cocaine. Now, I can see the crack, but when, we, when those two are together, that that's a, a hard hard situation. So you, you you became the drug dealer. I mean because you seen yeah. it and all of a sudden you grew up to be the drug dealer. And yeah. um now here's the here's the fun part. You meet somebody, young age, fourteen or fifteen, many of our fourteen and, and it's still babies having babies. It hasn't changed. There are babies still having babies today. Fourteen or Absolutely. fifteen you you start to have children, and you have your first little girl at, um, at 14 and 15. And, um, okay, so you got a child. We, we need to make money as a father. So, you know, money, that was your money, um, crack cocaine. But, uh, you know, you've been, you've been a lot further places than I've been because I haven't been in Vegas yet, but that trip to Vegas was your eye open. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting yeah. because I – I read the story of Paul before, you know, you had a chance to come in and we got connected again. And he was Saul. Uh-huh. So he was going around. You you know, you two got a lot in common because you were going on with your, you know, doing your thing and Saul was going on doing his thing until he got a wake-up call. You got knocked out. You You got knocked out, you know. We, I mean, what were you thinking? To me, I, I wrote down, I like mafia style. They took you out of the middle of the desert. 
Uh, you were supposed to be connecting yeah. with somebody, a new connect. You were the new yeah. connect. So was there somebody yeah. that was mad at you? And that's the that's the thing. We never figured that piece out, but I think that it was designed that way to get my attention. Right. I think okay. everything. Okay. I think everything happened for a reason, and you know, my buddies, the guys that you know, my hanging partners, my crew, the guys who my ride or dies, they said we never saw this coming, and I said, man, I I didn't see it coming. I said I gave these guys everything. I ate with them. I fed them. Um, I brought them around my family. They knew all my ins and outs, all my weaknesses, all my strengths. So who else would be betray me but the person closest to me? You know, right. and, and the it hurts, as they say. Yep. Yes, yes. And it hurt the me because at that point in time, it, it made me hard to allow people close to me again. So for me to get to this place right. where I meet my pastor and we develop this relationship, it was like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that happening, um, but it happened, you know, and it got me right. to this place okay. where I am today. So. Wow, yes. I, I, I see what's going on. I definitely see what's going on. And um, and uh, you answered the question already because my question is, why did they be? You don't know. Um, but you yep, made it back we, to we New York, know. and... And, you know, you you wanted to get back to your parents. But I think your parents, being parents, they're like, okay, we've been down this road before. We don't know if you're serious. And God said you, God, God had to make you really understand that this is a serious thing. This is truly a serious thing. You got to know what's going on. You really got to know what's going on. And God was using those people around you to say, look, what are you going to do? Your mom set you down. These are my parameters. Boom, boom, boom. You already doing that. Get yourself out to right. drugs. Part of you still want to be on it. Some of us, sometimes as Christians, we want to be on that wall. You know, you know. God said you got to be hot or cold, lukewarm. I'm gonna spew you out. So yes, you had. To, God yes. was trying to tell you, look, He's using your mom to talk to you because our parents love us. They're not going to do anything to harm us. You know, they don't want to see any harm, but are you going to be true about that? You are ready in the shelter. You are trying to get your life together. and But you said to yourself, you were honest. The addiction was still there. Yeah. And then after yeah. you said that, your um, pastor or, you know, Godfather said the first thing that I always tell people, and that's when I wrote my book, Rediscovering Kai, um, I always say when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when you're going to make a difference. People can talk to you till they red in the face, but until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that was your turning point. And with that turning yes. point, um, that's when someone had to come to you, just like Ananias went to Saul, God said, why? Why do I need to go to Paul? He, you know, saw he went around killing all the believers. Those are far the way. <laughs> but, you know, and I didn't want nothing to do with Saul. He knows what type of person he was. But that yeah. young, that preacher, when he came and talked to you, God was, that was your Ananias. He was coming to say, look, you are sick and tired. I don't, I don't, I, you know, God put on his mind everything you've been through. And it was at that turning point 
tired of running. And with you being tired of running, you made up in my mind, you made up in your mind that, you know what, I'm going to get it together. I have to get it together. That way, once, see, Satan had a hold of you. Once you Satan get a hold of you, he brought that woman in your, you know, there's not too many women that want to let their, you know, child go. But he wanted to make sure you're going to take care of her. She was okay as long as you were um, on the, the drugs and everything. But once you decide to make up your mind, you ain't doing that no more. That was a fremony. She liked the luxury of it, but she didn't want you to get yourself together. She didn't want you to stop. Absolutely. And that's normally how it happens. Um, you're listening live with Hezekiah L. Montgomery. Um, Michelle is taking a break tonight. My uh, um, co-host, she's taking a break tonight. But we are having a great talk with Mr. Nathaniel Fields. This man is on fire for God. And I, I, you know, he ain't have enough time to tell us all this. But I'm like, this man <laughs> has been through. You can call yeah. in at 917 889 or log in at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash man dash and dash the mirror. Um, this man has a story. That's why we that's why we love what we do. Real people, real stories, real overcomers, because he's an overcomer. Mr. Fields, you know, brother brother Nate is an overcomer. And, you know, he got a chance. He went to graduated from high school, got himself together, got a scholarship to college. And, you know, he'd been somewhere mm-hmm. else. He went from, uh, he could write his book, from from Vegas to Belgium. Because <laughs> he went from <laughs> Belgium, Europe, you know, from Vegas, where he, you know, he got the mafia-style beatdown that, you know, uh, you know I'm going to keep it real. You got the mafia-style beatdown. Left in the, you know, they left you to die. Yeah. But that yeah. wasn't God's plan. That was not right. God's plan. God's plan was for you. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but then he gets up. It's that getting up that's the effect. It's that getting up that God says, now I can use you. Yeah, you were knocked down. That's right. And that's what, the, that's what your pastor said. Yeah, now, now God can use you because you don't went the yep. whole gamut. You don't went the whole yep. gamut. And now God was able to use you. And he he's using yeah. you, he's using you, he's using you, because now you went, you know, you started working in a family services. You say, well, God, okay, you know, I do the same thing. Trust me, I'm like, okay, well, God, um, hmm, why you got me doing this? Oh, you know, mm-hmm. what other person should do it? You've been there, you know, mm-hmm. you've been there, and you say, okay, you know, you sort of talked about the foster. Foster, um, foster care should, okay, God, really? But what mm-hmm. other person? Because you have to have love. We talk about Valentine's Day, but there is no love greater than if a man lay his life down for a His life down for a friend. Yeah, Valentine's uh, Day is good. But Christ did the sacrifice. He was that sacrificial lamb when he went on a cross and died for our sins. That's love. That's right. That's yes. the greatest love yes. there is. We talk all this, oh, I love you, I love you. That has used you. God has shown you how to love. There was a little yes. turning point, but God showed you how to love. And after you went through all that, now you now you probably tell God, God, this probably could have been another way. But we hard. <laughs> you had to go there. 
we are extremely hard headed. You know, me too, Kai yeah. included. We hard headed. We God was trying to tell you, God was probably in your whole life, he was trying to steer you in another direction. But yes. Mr. Yeah. Nate being hard headed said, you know, but, I you know, I wanna do this. All right, guys, okay, go ahead. I'm gonna give you enough rope to hang yourself. That's right. Literally. That's right. I'm gonna give you enough rope to hang yep. yourself. But just like he told Peter when Peter said, Oh, I'm not gonna deny you. Okay. You should deny me three times. <laughs> Before the yeah, I'm gonna deny you three times. I'm gonna deny I'm not gonna deny you. But he denied him. But he said, People yeah. forget about this part. Again, I wrote this in my book too, that I'm going to pray for you. That yeah. when you come back, it's that praying. Christ was still praying. Mm-hmm. Christ knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to drop the ball. Mm-hmm. But as I went, I prayed for you that when you come back, because he didn't want Peter to be left out there thinking that was the end. He said, when you come back, right. when you get it together, Peter, strengthen your brother. Yes. And you are yes. doing, you are on a, you are that on that end and end where you are strengthening your brother because you came back, you got it together, and you're showing that love, that that, that same love that that pastor slash godfather showed you. He was, yes. and, and yes. I kind of, you know, in my mind, he was watching you the whole time. He was keeping tabs <laughs> on you, but he was just waiting. Right. He was waiting to, to that yes. point. And because if he would have tried to contact you earlier, you probably, oh, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> but you had a comment? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like it's that it's that valley situation. Um a lot of people want to, you know, come out to the hill situations in life, but it's a yay, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death thou with me? Man, rod and staff they comfort me. But we have to go through that valley in order for him to comfort us. <laughs> in order for him to get our attention. Because that's what it really well, that's what I'm getting from that. You know, I've been praying it my entire life, and I keep saying, yeah, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Say, oh, okay. So I'm going to go through some stuff. Because yep. before Jesus before Jesus ascended, he first descended the right. keys of life and death. So in order for us to actually get a clear understanding of what it is to be a Christian, we got to go through something. God literally went through hell to get our attention, to get us to understand that he's willing to go through the process that nobody else is willing to go through for our souls, for our lives. And in in order for us to call, who call themselves Christians, in order for us to understand who God is, we literally have to go through those processes which are uncomfortable, nasty, hurtful, painful, embarrassing for us to get closer and get a better understanding of who he is in our life. Amen. And that was my walk. We definitely have to. Yes. And yeah. and and that was it because God was trying to get your attention the whole time. You were just, you know, I always tell women, us men are just slow. We may not act like the men, <laughs> we are just slow. God, you know, the, the sign could be right there in our face, and we like, huh? I want to go left. God told us go right. But I want to go left. Okay, okay. All right, brother man. You know, God gives us a freedom of choice. So Nate, yeah. Hezekiah, you know, everybody has that choice. Am I going to go the long way to get to God, or am I going to go the short way to get to God? Now, either or, it's going to get God. And God knew yeah. what he was doing. God knew 
you know, he wasn't going to let them hurt you, but soon he wasn't going to let them kill you. You know, cause nope. that was his, God allows things to happen. He allowed them nope. to beat you up a little bit just to shake you up. Like, okay, I got to get back home to New York because this Vegas thing ain't working out right now. Because that probably <laughs> was the first time in Vegas. Was that the first time in Vegas? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And it was the last time. <laughs> and I bet you. <laughs> was it first time in Vegas or last time? And literally, what, yes, stayed, what goes on in Vegas stayed in Vegas. You was not letting that happen again. And, and that was a good thing because that, would, that, would, that woke you up. Because, you know, yeah. if it wasn't for the grace of God, that could have been a whole different situation. But God, again, yeah. he allowed them just to do so much. Just a little shake you up, mm-hmm. you know. And you're still a little hard-headed, but that's okay. Yep. Because, you know, yep. you got yep. back to New York, you're still a little hard-headed. You know, you weren't ready yet, but it wasn't for your Ananias coming to you. Mm-hmm. But God sent your Ananias to come talk to you. And then those tears, and if you look at the similarity, when Ananias went to Paul, Scales fell off his eyes like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. things fell off mm-hmm. like fish get like scales. So as you were crying because you know you never cried about the situation, but as the pastor was talking to you, your scales fell off, so you can finally see mm-hmm. what was being revealed to you, and it was time for you to let it go. Get yourself together yes. for God and move on. Yes, yes, yes. And those, and, that, and that's the uh, thing. You have to all go over that. Go ahead. Oh, we all have to go through that process. You know, um, one of the things that I think about, you know, um, I think about the story of Job, you know, um, those times where um, life came against him, but yet and still he still is strong for God. And, you know, sometimes in our lives Amen. we can we have that opportunity to make that choice, and some of us choose the lesser of the two. So, you know, curse your God and die, and they curse their God and die. <laughs> because it's easier to do than to stand strong for God and then just fall off the, you know, uh, uh, the, the bandwagon of quitters and, and just give in. But it's, it's, you know, harder to stand before God and, and be about his work and what, he has for your life. And, um, you know, when I was going through the stuff that I was going through as a youth um, with the drugs and, and, and ripping and running the streets and um, hanging out and, and uh, addictions and things of that nature, it was easier for me to hide in that community because that's what you really think about it, really a community of drug dealers. Um, it's easier right. to hide in there and, and mask myself, um, but God kept pointing me out. <laughs> That's the one who don't belong right there This one, that, yeah, he don't belong um, Y'all need to find a way to get rid of him And that's what continued to keep happening Until I was by myself uh, I was the outcast you know. But then when I came back to God It was like the prodigal son The story of the prodigal son when he returns home And his father didn't right. forget him But what did he do? He gave him a ring He clothed him and then he had a festival Invited him back, letting him know that I ain't this, you know, dismiss you. I didn't kick you out of the family permanently, but you had to learn. And I had to allow you to do right. make these choices on your own. And here you are. You've returned home. So I'm going to celebrate you coming home, and that's what God did. 
When I came home, everything that he Amen. had pulled up for me, he started to give it to me one thing at a time, one thing at a time, just giving me pieces of what he had stored up. And now here we are. When I look back, I'm like, my goodness, my thank you for the small stuff. I mean, this, you know, being able to make it to this point in time in my life, I, wouldn't, I didn't think I would see this many years, but he's allowed me to live this life. Right. You know? Amen, amen, amen. And, and the funny thing is that um, you made it because um, yeah. I, I'm, I had a similar situation because, you know, when I was, you know, de- detained in um, Baltimore, de- Baltimore County Detention Center for almost 90 days, short of 90 days, God did the same thing to me. He, you know, it's like I had a light on that I didn't know. And he almost, he had me preaching and teaching in a situation I didn't want to be in. I'm like, I don't want to wow. be here. You wow. got me preaching and teaching. And everybody asks, are you doing Bible study? Are you doing Bible study? Look, and, and I look back like you, I'm like, okay, did I have a light, some kind of invisible light or beacon over me saying, hey, you know, you're different. You don't belong it, here. You know, yes, why are yes. you here? And yes. that's the way I felt. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why is everybody yes. keep coming up to me? Are you holding Bible? We heard you holding Bible study. I'm like, again, you know, then the Lord forced me. Well, he, you know, I said, okay, why are you here? Are you going through? I'm going to use you. I said, yes. okay, okay, Lord, you know, have me preaching and teaching and, you know, just, you know, saving people, having people, using me to help people get closer to God, get saved. But it's those situations that we don't want to be in. That God shows Himself mm-hmm. through us, yeah. Because you know, yes. and I think in my situation, I was just being selfish. I'll be I'm like, look, I ain't worried about y'all. I'm trying to get out of here. You guys said no. <laughs> Why are you in there? I'm honest. I'm like, look, I don't want to do this since I'm here, Lord. I don't have a choice right now. I'll do it. He gave me a Bible. Yes. I read, you know, read more Bible and my whole entire life. You know, at that time, I read my whole entire life. But as Christ said, your will be done, not mine. Yes. And yes. you have a powerful yes. testimony. You have an extremely powerful testimony. And we definitely going to have you back on again because we still didn't get to the second part. You know, there's a lot more to your testimony because, you know, but this is, you know, I'll let this be part one. But we definitely okay. going to have um, Brother Phil's back on because we have about six, uh, under five more minutes to go. But um, just give us a little brief synopsis of what's going on with your family right now, because I know you just didn't stop at that one child. You look young. No. You see this man, he <laughs> looks like he's still a teenager. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, um, so since then, in 2009, I was um, married um, to my lovely wife in the Shoney Fields. Um, I have, um, I, we have, we have <laughs> a six-year-old, um, we have a four um, going on five-year-old, and we have a, a um, baby who just turned three years old. But also we have um, our adopted daughter, um, named Precious, who is with not only with one child who's here and one on the way, um, my um, oldest in desire, who has a 10-year-old, and she also has a now four-year-old um, little girl. So I'm Papa. I'm, I'm Papa. <laughs> Wow! See how see how good God is. You ain't just end yeah. up with one. You have four more plus, and yes. don't look a day over thirty. 
But you know, I'm mad at yes. that, but that's okay. It's all good. But you know, that's what that's how good God is. Because once yes. we get yes. it right, then he opens up the gates, the floodgates for us and bless us. And that's a blessing because not everybody, because a, a friend of mine, a pastor read my book. He said, Jesus, man, it's, it's a wonder you didn't lose your mind. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're still here. we still here. Yes. You know, yes, real people, are. real stories, real overcomers. And it's a blessing, but we definitely gonna have you come on because you know. Then we go next time you come on, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the church things that you went through. You know, Ooh. some of the pastors and people that you. Yeah, we won't get into that tonight because we only have a few minutes. But that okay. you know, that's the meat and potatoes because my thing is, you know, we gotta keep it real. We gotta yes. keep it real yes. from the pulpit to the door. We gotta. Uh oh, yes. we have one guest. And she finally, you know, my 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 buddy, my my pride and joy. She's coming on. She wants to um, actually. She has a comment and question. One moment, uh, caller. I'm going her job. Caller ending in one six two nine has a comment. I'm I'm doing her job, but that's all right. Caller ending in one six two nine has a question or comment. Yes. Yes, I was trying to get my stuff straight because I'm actually I'm I'm in the car, <laughs> but I just had to call in, and um, I know the show's like ending in a couple of minutes, but I really wanted to. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know, right? But I did catch the last uh, about half an hour or so, and this was a you know a really great show. I'm sorry I missed the rest. I had to go back and catch the replay, but um, I just wanted to thank. Brother Nathaniel for coming on because um, yes your your testimony is a powerful story and you know we know that God you know uses the lowly to confound and so when he takes you know somebody that's really been through some things that's had a hard time and that you know people don't think that you can get anything good from them because everything they've been involved in or done and then he allows them to pour into other people and bless them. And people see that light that um, uh, Brother Hezekiah was talking about. They see that light from them. It's amazing. And I love how God does that because, you know, we do have that light in us, mm-hmm. and, and he uses it to bring people to him. So that's how he uses us. But it's just amazing when when we see the people that people write off that are able to do that. So I'm just, you know, happy that you were able to give your testimony on the show. And I just thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes, Lord. It's a blessing. Blessing to be here. We are down. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know. Um, God is still trying to make things right. Um, I'm still working on some things from my past that have traumatically damaged some of my uh, current situations, but God is still on the throne. Still on the throne. Yes, he is. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You have any closing remarks, um, Dr. Field? (laughs) The, the, The thing is this, you know, the one thing that I 
desire of the Lord, and that one thing will I seek for, that I may dwell within this house and inquire in the temple and behold the beauty of the Lord. That is one of my favorite scriptures of all times because of this. I was coming through a situation in my life where I couldn't get it together on my own, but I could always I could always wait on God. I could always call on him, and I thank him for brothers like Hezekiah and uh, uh, people in my life who could just, you know, sharpen this this piece of steel, even though I couldn't see the shiny pieces, you came in and you could see those shiny pieces because God allowed you to do so. He poured into me, and now he's allowing me to see the same things that Brother Hezekiah can see because I, he took away those scales from my eyes. So I, I thank God for everything that he's done in my life, and I think that he continues to use me as a tool to reach out to the masses. Amen, amen, amen. And um, my co-host who came in, do you have any more comments? <laughs> no, I do not. I Look, I was just trying to give my little comment and that be it. <laughs> so okay. I'm just glad I made problem. it in. I'm glad I made it in. <laughs> amen, amen. I want to thank all of you who have been listening tonight. You know, listening, and you know, if you have any questions or comments, you can place them in our um, event page um, where we had Nathaniel Fields' interview on Fire for God. Again, this man is um, part of the Downtown Partnership of Baltimore City, where he is just doing his thing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully waiting for a book that'll come from this young man soon. You know, you know, <laughs> so we can actually get that. Will be a that's a story right there. So you know, when you're ready to write your book. We we here we we on this show are gonna support you because you're gonna have to come back anyway. But again, I thank all of you who have been listening for your support. Um, again, we'll just end it at that. There's no better way to end it. This is Hezekiah uh, Montgomery signing off, and as always, we'll see you at the mirror. Let me hear the worship of. Yeah.
what you've been through. Just know that praise is 